the Lord. Would you turn with me, please, to the Scriptures? Second book of Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians, please. Turn to Second Thessalonians chapter three, please. <clears throat> chapter three. Beginning to read at verse one. We'll just lift out a few verses. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that ye both do and will do the things which are commanded you. And the Lord direct your hearts, into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Let us pray. Eternal Father, again, we thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the salvation that is found in him. We thank you for his precious blood which cleanseth us from all our sin. We worship you and we adore you. We need you. We want you. Lord, in these precarious times and perilous days that we are living in, we pray, Lord, that you would give us all eyes to see this evening, ears to hear. Lord, that every man is bound by their sin until they come to saving faith in Christ. So, Father, we pray, may your word have free course tonight. And may Christ be exalted, and may Christ be lifted up. May he have the preeminence in all things, and may he alone be seen and glorified. We ask it for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. Amen. Wednesday passed, Wednesday morning passed. That is the 11th of August, 2021. I woke up that morning with one word ringing in my ears, going round in my head, and I thought about it and then tried to get on with my day, and it just came back again and again and again, over and over until that afternoon I had to sit down and I just wrote one word, And that one word which was going round in my head was freedom. Freedom. You see, there has been an erosion of our freedom in this nation and across the world. There has been erosion step by step, bit by bit, here a little and there a little of our freedom in a free society, in a free land and has been taken away from us. I was disturbed during this week to see gunmen on the street. No matter who or where they would be from, I would feel the same. 
firing shots over a coffin in a built-up area. And yet on the same day, the police do nothing and arrest a street preacher. Shows us where our land has come to. Shows us the depths that it has sunk to. When men hooded with guns can shoot in a built-up area. And yet men who are preaching the word of God and salvation found in Christ alone. They are arrested for speaking the truth of the word of God. Northern Ireland and Ulster is now in a terrible condition and in a terrible state. Paul says in verse 1 of our reading, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have, notice, a free course and be glorified even as it is with you. And Paul was telling the church of Thessalonica, He was saying to them that there are men who are against the word of God, who hate the word of God, and are not willing to hear the word of God. And so they shut their ears and they close off their hearts and they hate us in return because of it. For he tells us in verse 2, that we might be delivered from unreasonable men, unreasonable and wicked men, for all men of not faith. And what he's saying here is that all men... In Thessalonica, all men in our land today have not faith. And in fact, they hate the gospel. They are unreasonable when it comes to the word of God because many are indoctrinated with the communist ideology which has been forced upon us for years and years. Now coming to fruition. We used to say, oh, the bamboo curtain, and think of China and communism. We used to think, oh, the the Berlin Wall, and think of Russia and communism. Oh, the Vietnamese War, and we think of it so many years ago, and we think of communism. We think of Cuba, Fidel Castro, and so on and so on. We think of communism and the imprisonment of the people in those lands and in those nations. We think of the hardness of these people, the lovelessness that's in them, and the government owning everything that they may give to the people because then the people are fully and totally dependent and reliant on them. And we used to say it's here and there and everywhere. Oh, thank the Lord we live in a free United Kingdom or a free Ireland. And that's what we used to think. But communism no longer rests just in China or Russia or Vietnam or Cuba or anywhere else. Communism is in Stormont. Communism is in Westminster. Westminster is a cesspit. It is a cesspit of wicked men. It is in the Doyle. It is in most now of our political parties in Northern Ireland. Especially we look at the parties like Sinn Féin, Marxists to the core, the SDLP, the Alliance Party now. And it goes on, even the Ulster Unionists are now becoming more and more indoctrinated by this communist ideology. 
And it just keeps on rolling. And it just keeps on going. Godlessness. Antichrist. And that's what it is through and through. And hence they take the word of God out of the nation. They take the word of God which our laws were built upon. The laws of this land were built upon the commandments of God. And now they take it away. And they start little by little introducing, changing the laws that were based on biblical laws. And hence then, people start to live by the laws of man as they have changed it. And the laws of man are wicked laws. The erosion of our freedom has been going on for a long time, but the snowball effect is getting greater. And it went also into people who were then allowed to have gay marriage. It's part of it. The BLM. It's part of it. Antifa. It's part of it. All of these parties all of these lobbyist groups gathering together, and it looks good. But behind the core of it is communism, Marxism. And behind the core of it is wickedness. Now they're moving into the children of our nation. They're moving upon your children, grandchildren, and my children. And now they're telling us Our children can choose their gender from four years of age without the parents' consent. In other words, the parents' freedom to bring up their children in their household is gone. They even have taken from years ago, introduced that which we used to chastise our children, taken away from us. Chastisement of children is no longer allowed. I'm not talking about being cruel or wicked now. Are taken away. The erosion of our freedom. Cameras all over our cities, across our nation, were put up over years, built up more and more. But sure, they're good. And they're good that we can catch criminals, yeah. But they're actually extra good that they can watch your every move. The police force has now become a political force. And walks in gay pride. It's a political movement. The police force has turned against what we had as gospel preaching, arresting the very preacher on the street because of an accusation. At least when the woman was taken in idolatry or adultery, the Lord Jesus, he says, And where are those thine accusers? And they were not there. And he, she was set free. And now you can make a phone call. You can go up to a a police officer and say, I feel offended by this gospel. And because they're offended by the word of God, because they're offended by what the preacher is saying, the preacher is then arrested for hate crime. Homophobia, Islamophobia, and all the other phobias are now laying at the door of the preacher of me tonight. Of the Christian who will stand and witness for Christ. And the church has just taken it and laid back on it, relaxed in it, and now they're dying in it. Now they are 
dying in it. I couldn't help but think the other day when this word was going around my head of Eric Arthur Blair. If you don't know who Eric Arthur Blair is, you'll know him by his pen name, George Orwell. George Orwell, who wrote the book Animal Farm to do with communism. And then his ninth and final book, 1984. And he had written it looking from his day into the future. George Orwell passed away in 1950, but he looks in his day into the future. And in that book, Orwell's writing, he talks about Stalinist Russia, but it being in 1984. Also rests on the thoughts of Nazi Germany, but in 1984. The novel examines and deals with the role of truth and facts in politics and the way those politics are manipulated. You might say, are you going to get all keep getting political? I want you to know, I want you to know that my hope rests in Christ and none else. But I pray God would open your eyes and whoever watches. It's happening in the United States. It's happening in Australia. Just this week I seen a video of a woman sitting at a table outside in Australia and they came along and they berated the woman until she was trying to show a COVID pass to be able to sit at a table at a restaurant. Is it strange that you have a yellow vaccine passport or a pass? Reminds me when Nazis gave the Jews a yellow star. Brothers and sisters, do you see the day we're living in? Do you see the time and the hour that we are living in? This has gone from bad to worse. In 1984, the novel, it speaks of a perpetual war. Jesus says there would be wars and rumors of wars. But the book speaks of perpetual war. And listen, it speaks of an omnipresent government. I'm saying again, it speaks of an omnipresent government surveillance system. That's before his death in 1950. He says there would be a surveillance, a surveillance system which will make the government omnipresent as it were. We're living in it. It speaks of the propaganda across the 1984 nation known as Oceania. That's Great Britain. He calls Great Britain Oceania in the novel. This propaganda which is to influence and further an agenda by presenting one narrative Notice, by presenting one narrative which presents loaded language as truth and proof to produce, notice, an emotional rather than a rational thinking among the people. You'd think that man was a prophet, wouldn't you? You'd think he was living today. Everybody's all emotional. 
Everybody's all afraid. You don't know where to shake someone's hand or wave at them or nod at them or bump them with the elbow in case they die off if you're going to stick your hand out. Human contact. We're made to have human contact. It's emotional rather than rational. Notice here, and I'll not stay on this much longer, but I want to make a point here of the days which we are living in. This book, 1984, the propaganda is often associated with material which is prepared by governments. Notice, activist groups in the book. Governments, activist groups, companies, and the media. You're hearing the narrative, aren't you? Aren't you hearing the narrative? You're hearing one narrative. You're not hearing the other side. You're not hearing it all. You and I are hearing what they want us to hear, and we have become emotional. Listen, this isn't about, I'm not on here tonight about vaccinated, non-vaccinated, masks and non-mask words. I'm not on about that. But I'm on about what they have done to the people in our nation. Christians are even falling out with each other and fighting over these issues. You know what they have done? They have caused division. Do you know what the New World Order, you know what one of their slogans is? Out of chaos, order. It's all over the land, not only in church, all over the land. Out of chaos, order. You know what they do? They drop the bomb in. And they drop it in and everyone goes frantic in these things. Everyone goes mad about these things. And they all start fighting and chaos comes in. Then big brother government comes and big brother government fixes it all. And he takes your possessions and he takes your possessions and yours and yours. And he says, now, I own all of this. I give you what you want and what you need when you need it. And I will look after you. I'll be your savior. I'll be your savior. You know what? Westminster government, Brussels government, Doyle, whoever it may be, there only is one Savior. His name's the Lord Jesus Christ. His name is the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. My hope rests in Him. My trust is fully in Christ. No matter what is put upon us, no matter what we are told to do, our hope rests solely Uniquely, completely, totally, and only on the Lord Jesus Christ. We belong to him and slaves of none because Christ has set us free. Isn't it good to be saved? Isn't it good to know the Savior tonight? I know that I'll get the hit mail. I know I'll get the hit mail. Paul got it. And he says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. And the reason being that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. And he says, all men of not faith. Note here in this book as I close this little segment about this. Speaks of this big brother attitude. And it speaks of they, the government, look after us and tell us, aren't we good to you? Listen, I was in Romania not long after. My wife and I, 
We were in Romania not long after, a few years after the fall of the Berlin Wall. Not too many years after it. We were in Romania. There was still a lot of communism there. And we tasted of it. We've seen it. And we've seen the people with all their little parcels of land almost all the same size. We've seen it. And we've seen how they put them all into rows and rows of blocks of flats throughout the city. I mean, I mean, there's like a cities within a city sometime. And I asked, I says, I, why, why are there so many blocks and apartments of flats? You look behind the iron curtain at all those old, old pictures of all those cities. Even the like of where Chernobyl was. And all right across there, these blocks and blocks and blocks of flats and apartments. You know why? They said because they could control the people easier when to let them out and when to keep them in. Does that ring a bell? Does that ring a bell with you? Because it rings a bell with me. Take note here. The propaganda was prepared in the book by governments and activists, companies, and by the media. I find it strange, or maybe I don't, that all the little shops are closing because they're being shut down through lack of service, being able to sell. They can't buy and sell. And so they have to close. The multinationals aren't, though. The multinationals are flourishing. Your Amazons and so on are escalating. And listen, your drug company's big pharma is booming. It's booming. Twentieth century propaganda was often associated with manipulation and a manipulative approach. Here's four quick points on manipulation. First one is fear. Fear. Do this or something bad will happen. You've got to do this or there's going to be something bad happen. Fear. Secondly, flattery. Do this, you know you're a good person. If you do this, you're a good person. If you don't, you know, well, you, you don't like, you're not caring for anybody else. But if you do this, you're a good person. That's the second part of manipulation is flattery. Third is bribery. Do this and I'll do something for you. I'll do something for you. In other words, you do this and I'll let you out and I'll let you go and eat. I'll let you go and buy in the shops. I'll let you in. And fourthly, violence. Do this or else. By the way, we're at number three. Just in case you didn't know. The erosion of our freedom, this struck me really hard. And it struck me so hard because I seen a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ and a true blood-washed, born-again believer is not going to hurt nor harm nor lift their hand to anyone when they go to preach. They're going to present the Lord Jesus to them. George Orwell was once quoted saying, freedom is the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. And he's right, isn't he? 
So Paul says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. He says to the church at Thessalonica, he says, look, when we're preaching the opposition, they're telling us to get out of the way. You're not allowed to preach that name anymore. Let's look at this, shall we? Let's talk about this. The word freedom. I looked up Chambers' dictionary and explains the word freedom this way. The condition or right of being able to say or do as you think. It also says the condition or right of being able or allowed to do, say or think whatever you want to without being controlled or being limited. Now on that premise alone, have we lost our freedom to an extent? On that premise alone, is there an erosion of freedom in Ulster? Let's talk about home. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. And I'll tell you, there's very few men in Parliament are standing up for us. Very, very few. The word, the English word freedom is only mentioned twice in the whole of Holy Writ. That is the word freedom. It's mentioned in Leviticus 19 and verse 20. And that has to do with a woman being set free who was in a slave. The other time is in the New Testament in Acts 22 and verse 28. And this was to do with the Apostle Paul being arrested and about to be scourged. He claims, and the chief captain answered, with the great sum obtained I this freedom. That's what the captain says to Paul. With the great sum I obtained this freedom. And Paul said, but I was free born. Now I want you to catch this. I want you to, to really prick up your ears as much as you can tonight and listen. People think these are not in the scripture. Paul was going to be scourged. And Paul said to the Roman captain, chief captain, I'm a Roman, a freeborn one. And hence, notice here the word freedom. The chief captain says, with a great sum obtained I this freedom. The word freedom here, you know what it is? It's the word politia. Politia. It might sound familiar to you. It means, Paul's saying, of his citizenship. That's what it means. Citizenship. Or someone who has the rights of a citizen. You go into the street today as a believer and say, I have rights as a citizen. Even other believers will come on and they'll say to you, you shouldn't be mentioning that, just take it. Love them anyway. It's not true. You have rights as a citizen. You're a Christian first, but you have rights as a citizen, and so do I. Paul is telling us here, and he's saying here, he says, well, I was freeborn, I have rights too. The apostle claimed his rights. This word politia or politia, it means the administration of, of civil affairs. Comes from the word politis. They're all the same sort of word. Or polite. It's where we get our word politics from. Politicians come from this word. And Paul is saying. Listen you want to talk about the politics? I am a citizen with rights. And hence he's sent to Rome. 
Christian, it's time we learned our rights too. Our rights as citizens in the country where we were free born. Free born. I'm an Ulsterman. I was free born here. It was a free society. Free speech, free living. Civil rights. And it's time as a Christian we learned what ours were because it's going to get worse. I'll tell you better than that, I'm free in Jesus. I'm free in Christ. And take note of this. This speaks of a citizen who has political freedom and religious liberties. We have religious liberties as well as political freedom. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, this word politeia is used, and it says, At that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. The politeia. And Israel were scattered, and Paul is writing to them. And he's writing, and it ends up in Ephesus. And he says, listen, you're outside your political rights, your civil rights, your religious freedom. Paul says, it's time you come back into the commonwealth of Israel. In Christ, you're free. And in Christ, he says, you're free from sin. You're free from Satan. And the dark forces that are over the nations are trying to hold you, to bind you, and they're trying to have omnipresence over you. But he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Brothers and sisters, we're free in Christ tonight. Would you praise the Lord tonight and give him the glory, for he's worthy. So in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. He says, would you pray to the believers? Would you pray, he says, that the word of God would have free course just like it did when you were saved? See, some of us have been saved for quite a lot of years. The gospel was able to be preached without hindrance. But now unreasonable and wicked men are trying to stop the preaching from the very pulpits which we stand behind. The word free is in italics, meaning it's not in the original text, but the word is for the flow of the English and is with the context that is said in proper and written there for that reason. So there's nothing wrong with it. That the word of the Lord may have free course. This is what it means. That the word of the Lord may spread rapidly without a drag. That the word of the Lord may run as the creative word of God did at the very beginning. This is what he's saying. For example, in Psalm 147 and verse 15, it says, He sendeth forth his commandment upon the earth. His word runneth very swiftly. In other words, God says, let there be light. And there was light. And Paul's saying, will you pray that when we preach, there be no one, no demon of hell, no devil of darkness, no politician to stand, 
None from any of the lobbyist groups that will come and prevent the word of the Lord. No police officer coming to arrest us. He says, pray that the word of the Lord we preach grace in Christ. Salvation found in Christ. The blood of Jesus. The cleanse of vilest of sinners in our nation. He says, pray that it may run swiftly and find the hearts of men and women who are doomed to hell. Time to pray for the street preachers and those who will stand behind the pulpit to tell the people not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. What they need to hear. The very opposite of Paul is the word being bound. Bound by man and devil. The opposition to the word of God by men who are you're already supposed to be watchmen. It's not all the ungodly, you know, who bind the word. There's many a man in the pulpit. There's many a man stands behind the sacred desk and they are bound. They won't preach the word in case people up and leave them. In case someone comes to the door and wraps it. In case someone gets against them. In case someone comes and gives them hate mail. I've had it all. I've had everything from a solicitor's letters. I've had it all. But we're to obey God rather than men. But what about you, brothers and sisters? Would you take your stand? Would you stand for Christ? In the dark and dreadful days we're living in, these perilous times that will get worse, grow worse and worse, if you think normal's coming back, that's abnormal thinking. I'll tell you what's coming back. Who's coming back? Jesus is coming back. Christ is coming back again. Notice here, the word of God is bound with men who are supposedly to be watchmen and do not sound the alarm. Turn with me, if you will, uh, to Isaiah chapter 56. Just a little verse here. Let me tell you about the watchmen for a few moments here. Isaiah 56, please. And let your eye run down to verse 10. Here's what the Lord said to watchmen of Israel. Here's what the Lord said to Israel and their people. He says, yea, they are greedy dogs. What do you think of that? Eh? Pardon me, verse 10, watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are dumb dogs. Pardon me, I was reading the next verse. Let me say it again. His watchmen are blind. What happens when you get a blind watchman? What happens when you have a man in the pulpit and he's blind? He doesn't see what's going on. What happened about the man in the pulpit who's meant to be led by the Spirit? And he doesn't see what's happening in the nation. He doesn't see what's happening in government. He doesn't see what's happening in the body of Christ. This watchman is blind. They're all ignorant. You know what it means? They're without the knowledge of this. What sort of a watchman looks over the city walls to looking for danger? And the danger's climbing up the wall. And the people are inside thinking they're safe. 
until the, the danger overflows them and conquers them. Oh, I didn't see it coming. Brother, if you're in the pulpit, why not? Why not? If you're before God and you're reading the word and you climb into the pulpit, then why not? Notice what it says. Watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. And this isn't for everyone, but whoever shoes it fits, then they can wear this. But there are those men who are behind, meant to be watchmen, pastors and preachers in the pulpit. And you know what they've done? Since 18 months ago, they close the doors and they do a little 10-minute video and they think their whole congregation is going to be all right with that. And you know what happens after that? The wolves come in and destroy them. The wolves come in. And they think, I'm having a good, easy time here. It's like an 18-month holiday. 18-month holiday. Notice, they're greedy dogs in the next verse. Will you turn with me, please, to Ezekiel chapter 3? Ezekiel chapter 3. Notice this. Reading from verse 4, just for time's sake, please. And he said unto me, Son of man, or son of dust. That's who we are before God. We're just dust. Said unto me, Son of man, go get thee unto the house of Israel and speak with my words unto them. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech or of a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of a strange speech or of a hard language, whose words thou canst not understand. Surely, had I sent thee unto them, they would have hearkened unto thee. Do you know what the Lord's saying to Ezekiel here? Go to the house of Israel. They're in their sin. Northern kingdoms carried away. Judah's now in away to Babylon. Do you know what he's saying? Go to them. He says, you know their language. You know their speech. You're speaking the same language as them. They're your people. He says, speak to them. But tell them what I say, not what you say. Tell them what I say, but not what you say. He says, if I'd have sent you, so let's put it now. Talking to me, I want you to go to Northern Ireland, into the Republic. I want you to go to Dublin. I want you to go to London. And I want you to go to Edinburgh and Cardiff. And I want you to speak there. I want you to preach in the streets and cry aloud unto them. And they'll understand your language. So you're people. You all speak the same language. But if I was to send you to Africa or India or China, you wouldn't understand them and they wouldn't understand you. I'm not sending you to them. He's saying, I'm sending you to your own. I go preach to the house of Israel. Now stay with me here. Verse 7. Here is the hard-heartedness of the people in our lands. The house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Notice they are impudent and hard-hearted. 
Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces, and thy forehead strong against their foreheads. As an adamant harder than flint have I made thy forehead. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. What the Lord's saying here, look, I'll strengthen you. If you go out and speak my word, I will strengthen you. And he says they're rebellious to me. Notice he said in verse 10, Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak unto thee, receive, take this and put a line under this, all my words receive in thine heart. And hear with thine ears. You underline that. Brothers and sisters, God's word must be alive in us if we're going to bring it to somebody else. God's word must be alive in us. It must be received by us tonight and in our hearts. And For if it's only in our thoughts, if it's only head knowledge and in our mind, guess what? We can switch it off and think about other things and it doesn't really matter. But he says, Ezekiel, if you get my word in your heart, in your heart, you know, brother, and you know, sister, you know fine rightly that when the Lord speaks and drops it into you, no matter where you go, no matter who you face, no matter what you do, you can't deny the word of God in your heart. How do you think reformers were put to death for the word of God in their heart? They couldn't deny it. The early church, the word of God was in their heart. They couldn't deny it. We cannot disregard it nor defer it, but we must live up to it. Once it's in your heart, he says, go and get thee to them. I pray tonight something is going to be put into your spirit, into your heart. Right into your heart. You'll be wherever you are tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever other days you'll go through. And it'll be those who will hate the Christ in you. They will oppose you. They'll stand against you. But the word of God will be alive in you. Unashamed, brother. Unashamed and unafraid. To take our stand for him. Ulster needs us to stand up. When I speak to my friend Tommy Hanrahan in Dublin, he's one of the few there. He had phoned me. He says, they're all ecumenizing, Ken. What am I going to do? I says, take your stand, Tommy, and don't give in. Man from the Dublin gangs he was in. A man from the Roman Catholic Church. And there he's saved by the grace of God. And he says, what will I do? He says, take your stand. And don't give up, Tommy. Don't give in. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Brothers and sisters, then he sends us forth. So in Ezekiel 3, verses 4 to 6, we have the prophets called to preach. Verses 7 to 9, we have the conditioning of him to preach. 
And then in verses 10 and 11, his commission. Listen, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, listen to what he says. Make your face like adamant if their hearts are like adamant. If they are not ashamed to sin, do not you be ashamed, ashamed to warn them. If they are not ashamed of their unbelief, be you not ashamed of your faith in the divine testimony you've received. You know what's wrong with this church? We have been bow-breaking down, bow-breaking until the church feels like it's powerless and useless. Do you ever feel like that? Yes, I do. But then when I go to the house of the Lord, I understand their way, and I understand where I'm going. I'm saved, and I'm headed for glory. Why send the prophet if they will not listen or hear? Why send a preacher or why send the people if those out there will not listen or hear? Listen, because for this reason, God's ways are not unrighteous. God is not unrighteous. And when judgment is meted out, all you have to do is go and preach and leave it up to him, you see. You can't convert anyone. All you can do is preach the word. And God gives the increase. And when judgment is meted out, listen, God is a just God. And God will be justified in everything he does. Even when the wicked are cast into hell. Even when the ungodly and the unsaved are cast into a lake of fire. God will be justified. In everything that he does, he has sent you forth to warn them, and they've turned it away. God is a just God, and he's a good God. The rejection of God's word, the gospel, the rejection of his grace and of his salvation in Christ, the rejection of forgiveness of sins through his Son, is a manifestation is a manifestation of the impudent and hardness of your heart. It speaks of fallen man and his depraved nature, and only by a sovereign act of God upon the heart can a man be saved. Can a woman be saved? So at the rejection of the word of God, God is justified when the wrath of God is poured out. That's not fair, people say. That's not fair. Well then, remember this. See all of this? He created it. He made it. He sustains it. He upholds it. He gives life to it. He keeps it. He owns it. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Listen, if someone wants to be in God's heaven, then they got to come his way. His way. What is his way? The way of the cross. you got to come to Calvary. 
You've got to yield yourself. You've got to repent of your sin. You've got to cry for mercy. You've got to accept that Jesus has died in your place, in your room instead. And he has paid the debt of your sin in its fullness. And you can be saved tonight. Born of the Spirit and washed in the blood. As Paul says that the word of God will have free course. Just as it had with you and with me. I pray that for everyone else. So, in 1 Corinthians 1 and 21, here's what Paul writes. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, he didn't say foolish preaching. He didn't say foolish preaching. He said by the foolishness of preaching. In other words, this man up here has seen a fool by many. You know the way emojis and you get the live. Sometimes you see the wee laughy faces going up when you're not telling a joke. That means they're laughing at you, not with you. They don't really care, like, but that's what they do. With that fool up there. Getting all excited over this. I'll tell you what I get excited about. I get excited that I was down to hell and he saved my soul. That's what I get excited about. That my sins are forgiven and my past is washed away. That I'll never answer for it again, ever. I get excited about him. About Christ and Christ alone. Listen, the word, word here for preaching is the word karugma. It gives the idea of a town crier. See, when the police come to arrest the street preachers, Ah, sure someone just needs to go and say, look, they've, they've offended me. They've offended me. Listen, I get offended all the time. I get offended when people use the Lord's name in vain. I get offended when people say things about my Father in heaven. I get offended. You get offended. I don't run to the police about it. But here's the thing. See where there's fire. The snowflakes melt. You remember that? While you're in work or where you are, you get in fire for God and watch the snowflakes melting. You watch them. They will melt. Here it means a public or a town crier. So the police come out and you're too loud. <laughs> well, you know what? They take your mic off you like they did the preacher. We know him, obviously, but if they take the mic off you, they did the preacher, he kept on preaching. He was in his right to do so. It's called freedom of speech, which has been eroded. It won't be long before you're unable to read the scriptures. Boy, who'd want to get, become a Christian and not? I, I had a bit of a debate with someone here the other night. About 11 o'clock at night, I was here with a couple of dollars. He's talking about how we must do things to make sure we do not put people off coming to Christ. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. You don't put people off coming to Christ because they hate him. It's when he touches them they'll come no matter whether they want to or not. It's called irresistible grace. I can't put them off because I can't even save them. I can't keep them. So I can't lose them. He does it all. 
This word here, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It pleased God like preachers would be like in Herald. It gives the idea of a man out walking through the streets, checking at night, everything. You know, one o'clock and all is well. Two o'clock and all is well. And there's a house on fire. The town crier, that preacher, he doesn't stand back and go, why is a house on fire? I'll let them burn. No. Gives the idea, he goes, fire! That's the idea of it. Jumped out of your skin there, didn't you? <laughs> you know what? Now you know the effect the preacher should have on the souls of men and women. Waking them up! A woman about 12 years ago, 13 years ago, I went to see her and she'd left the church before I came and I was going out just to see if I can get her to come back. I don't know what had happened and I went out and I sat with her and her husband and she says to me, hey, would you be one of those um, preachers that shout a lot? <laughs> I says, only when I'm passionate and trying to make a point. Oh, I, I couldn't be doing with that. I says, then you better not come. It's the truth. She came once and didn't come back. Didn't want to be awakened, maybe. Paul says, in these days we're living in, don't be afraid to raise your voice. Be a voice in the nation. Be a voice in the land. Be a voice in Ulster. Do not be afraid to raise your voice. I'm going to finish with this point here. Second Timothy chapter 4 reading from verse 2. I'm going to finish with this point. Thank you for your attention tonight. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Listen to what he says. Preach the word. He didn't say, have coffee morning. He didn't say, get the sofa out and talk about it. He didn't say, remove the pulpit and get the settees in. He doesn't say that. He didn't say come and, and get a different program there. You may gather around. A couple of years ago I heard about a church in East Belfast. You know what they were doing to get people into the church? Beer tasting. Have you ever heard a leg of it in your life? Beer tasting. And the people were friends of ours we hadn't seen for a while. They were telling Alice and I us in the town. And they seen our faces and they went, we know, we know what you're going to say. I said, no, you don't. What are you doing there? What are you doing there, brother? Sister. What are you doing there? He doesn't say, you know what? Change the program. That's Make the place as dark as we can and a spotlight in the pulpit and we'll do we'll do a pantomime of play acting here and we'll see if we can get people's attention. He doesn't say that. He doesn't even say that they're to start telling their life story every time they get into the pulpit. He didn't say that. He said, preach the word! Preach the word! Preach the word, brother! Preach the word. When have I to preach it? 
be instant in season and out of season. He's once said to an old pastor, someone says to him, and so how often do you preach? He says, well, I only preach twice in the year. And he says, do you? Do you know about the other times of the year? He says, oh, no, you've got me wrong. He says, I preach in season and out of season. Notice this, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Oh, at the risk of trying to get myself into trouble and falling out with someone, I'm going to say it anyway. Remember, don't worry about sitting there or not. Uh, this man I know, and he's a decent fellow. He tried everything to get people in the church until he filled up balloons and put money in them and the helium floating from the ceiling and string. Whoever came in, they could pull a balloon and if they popped it, they might get a fiver get in the church. Really? Really? Brothers and sisters, we have to be careful. You see this, what we have been given in our hands. It's the most valuable thing this world affords. And men are afraid to open it and use it. Do you know when the queen was coronated? Do you know in her coronation they hand her a scepter? And then that scepter is a great big diamond in it. worth, And it's been chipped down to that size before it was too big. It was a gift given to her. And in that diamond is 400 million pounds worth in that one diamond. And that's encrusted all over. It's set into her hands. And the archbishop in the ceremony says, here is the scepter which you will rule with. And, he's tell, and then he takes it from her and he gets the word of God and he sets the, the KJV Bible into her lap or into her hands on her lap. And he says, but this is the most valuable thing this world affords. This is worth far more than 400 million. This is worth the blood of Christ. We have it in our hands and many are afraid to use it. I'm getting sidetracked. Let me get on here for a second and I'm going to finish with this point. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You know, if I got my teeth done, if I got my teeth done and my hair darkened, and I come in here, well, I've got a nice suit on, I was going to say a flashy suit, but if I got my teeth done and my hair darkened, and I had a great big smile and happy day, you know, come on, here's your, come and get your miracle oils, you know, miracle spring water and all this sort of stuff. The people that flock in, they flock in for superstition. Come and get your miracle olive oil soap. You wash yourself in the shower and claim the promises of God. And by the way, that's one of them. I'm not joking. That's out there. That's out there. Your vial of miracle spring water. We vial, we plastic vial miracle spring water. Come on, brothers and sisters. If we started doing that, you'd fill the place with people coming because they think there's some properties in this. Rather than turning to Christ. Rather than turning to the Savior. 
And you could fill the place of ice, patted them on the back and, you know, ruffled their hair a little bit and then fixed it for them. There, 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 them, burped them, changed them and put them on home with their tires pumped up and they're feeling wonderful. You can fill the place every time. Well, we're near filled every time anyway. We're a bit lower tonight. Most of knew what the topic was and they didn't want to come. <laughs> Verse 4. Here's where we're, our point is. But they shall turn away their ears. Notice, they shall turn away their ears from the truth. From the truth. Onto fables. Now, see that word fables? I want you to underline it. This is the very last point I'm showing you. See the word fables? It's a word, muthos. Muthos. And it means, in a, in a nutshell, it can mean a tuition. As you are a tutor and someone's under tuition. It gives the idea, now you're ready, we're thinking of the erosion of our freedom today. Where it is brought to to this point. This word fables or muthos, it gives the idea of an invention of falsehood. Mu comes from the word mysterion, where we get mystery and secret. Muthos means people will turn to something that was a secret, a mystery. For example, the Bible speaks of mystery Babylon the Great. They turn to all these magic arts and charms and everything with it. Everything is a mystery. And you know, there's been... See if you think, see if you think that all of this that we're going through now wasn't known before last year. You're thinking wrong. There's been mysteries taking place and happening among the elitists. Muthos means they will turn, you ready? They will turn to a narrative purporting to set forth facts. That's what this word fable means. I'm going to say it again. They will turn to a narrative purporting to set forth facts. Muthos or fables. Muthos is to be contrasted with the word truth. They turn from the aletheia. Aletheia is the word for truth. They turn from the alithia truth of God, the absolute truth of God's word. And they turn, and listen, listen, and Christians are doing it. Left, right, and center. They turn to a narrative that is being purported to the erosion of their freedom. Paul, what would we do? But watch. Thou in all things endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist to make foolproof of thy ministry. So, there we go. The erosion of our freedoms. I trust your eyes if they weren't open are. To what's happening. And I believe more revelation will come. God spares us and Christ tarries, more revelation will come. And it always comes. The darkness is always brought into the light. Jesus said, men love darkness. Does nobody say it? 
rather than light because their deeds are evil. Maybe you're not saved tonight. Your full freedom is in Christ, free from the wrath of God, free from sin and its penalty, free from the lake of fire, free from your burden, and free, delivered from any addiction. Team, would you come up, please? We'll sing and let everyone go home with the word of God in their hearts. Let's have free course still. Yes.